Okay, assalamu alaikum. We have very little time today. We're recording this very late, very last minute. Uh, assalamu alaikum. Welcome to a new episode of the Habibis. Uh, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I'm your host for today, Rami Isfain. And I am Fauzi Mesmer. And I'm Osama Doryas. Yalla, let's go, let's go. We're very late with this one. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Life life got kind of silly, and we're recording this after the episode should be live. It, it, this is a first for us, or a second? I think it's a second, yeah, it's a second. Probably. That's good, you know, it's not so yeah. bad. Considering it's also very that. late, so I'm kind of like need to keep it quiet, to not disturb oh. the neighbors. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So, what do you want to talk about this week? Uh, I, I had a big week, y'all. I had such a big week. I heard. I want to hear more. I, I did airplane stuff. I mean, also, I played lots of Destiny. Pick one. <laughs> airplane, airplane stuff. Yeah, airplane. Oh. airplane. Okay, lots of airplanes. <laughs> um, okay, y'all. So, uh, the, the, um, so, first of all, I um, got certified for VHF radio telephony. Which um, it basically means that I'm now legally allowed to use a VHF radio, which is the type of radio we use to to talk to each other, you know, on on airplane. Mm-hmm. So if you hear communication between a tower and somebody on an airplane, that's a VHF radio. Um, to be able to use those, you have to sort of understand how they work, and you have to understand how to talk on them, and uh, that's actually very regulated. It's it's it, there's like lots of rules on how you use them, so I had to go sit and like pretend to be a flight going from one place to another and prepare that flight, and then uh, and then I had to do the radio for that. Uh, so you know I had to be like uh, you know have some radio, Papa da whiskey Mike Alpha radio check on frequency one two one decimal zero three zero. You can't say three; you have to say three. And, uh, you know, you, you have to start with the call sign, but then if you're already in a conversation, you have to end with your call sign and there's like abbreviations and things and you need to know all that stuff. So I've been practicing that for like four weeks and I did my exam and I graduated. Actually, I graduated with zero mistakes in the entire exercise. Oh, which congratulations. Oh, wow. I wish yeah, you would it was bring really- that energy to the podcast. Because all what? we do is I make never... mistakes. <laughs> no, no, all you do is make mistakes. I nail it 100%. As the Habibis, all three of us, together, right. I, I, right. you know, we make mistakes. But Mabruk, jokes aside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, zero mistakes. It was actually really nerve-wracking because the guy who does this is part of the Amsterdam Info flight information region, which is sort of like the big one in the Netherlands. Mm. So this guy like manages teams there and like handles it and he was my examinator so he knows how it should sound mm. uh, but it was also really impressive because the exam was like four students at the same time so we were kind of pretending that there was other traffic on the channel as well so everybody had their own exercise and he was just keeping track of where everybody was and what airplane they had and what they were flying and what their situation was and what they had report. I don't know how he did it it was really impressive mm. um now, the second part is even more exciting. I did something called a first solo, um, which is your first flight in an airplane alone without an instructor. That is oh my terrifying. God, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. It is the most Hogwarts thing you will ever see in your life. 
in that you do your first phase of flight training and then they go okay you fly a circle now if you can you know if you're still alive at the end of that we'll we'll do your second part of education um but it was wonderful it was really really cool they say that they've always, everybody i talked to that is in aviation has always told me that it's a moment that you remember forever mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. theoretically, I could believe that, but now I understand why. Like, it's such a different feeling being in the airplane and knowing that if you make a really big mistake, it's 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 on you. You're going to have to fix it. And if you don't fix it, it's you, right? Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been I'm pretty getting nervous anxiety just hearing this. I know. Tell me right. It. No, it's it's definitely it's a little nerve wracking. Um, so the uh, this happened on uh, on Thursday. Normally I don't fly on Thursday, but I had a I had an open block, so I went for it because I wasn't in the Netherlands uh, last week, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be in the Netherlands next week. So I thought I'll, I'll get some extra hours on Thursday, and it was really it was really nice. So I flew with two different instructors, and for the first one, we just flew circuits. We just flew circles. Mm. Uh, and he was just evaluating how good I was. I'd flown with him on Monday as well. His name is Frank. Uh, so I flew with Frank. And um, on Monday, he just said I was very sloppy, which made sense. I had just come off an intercontinental flight. I was slightly jet lagged. I was sharp enough to fly. You know, I'm very strict with myself about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just sloppy. And he said, like, listen, this is just not, this is, this is not good enough. And you know it. And I, yeah, I know it. Um, so I flew with him again, and today uh, on Thursday I was just very sharp. I flew my circuits like on the line. My altitude was good. My speed was good. So when we went back to the flight school to the building, he just kind of told me like, you know what, you're going to be flying with this other person, this other um, trainer who, uh, you know, everybody I fly with, I asked them about their preferences for privacy because obviously I tweet my flight videos. What are they want them blurred? What do they want to be mentioned? And uh, this next flight instructor did not want to be mentioned. Um, but this next flight instructor basically, um, flew three more circuits with me and then just hopped out of the airplane, like, you know, did a landing, hopped out of the airplane and said, well, I think you're ready. You feeling good. And I'm like, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> and then that, that was it. Uh, then I was alone in the airplane and doing my pre-flight checks and starting the engine and like doing the taxi and making sure that my oil oil pressure was right so that I could actually take off and like things like that, you know? Wow. Um, and then I flew, uh, the exercise is basically one to three circuits. And the circuit is basically a little racetrack in the sky. I think I've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally you do, uh, obviously when you land, you do something called a full stop landing. So you you bring the airplane to a full stop. Uh, but you can also do a touch and go where you put the wheels on the ground and then let the airplane roll a bit and then immediately take off again. But our field had a very specific condition that day, which is it was um, fertilizing day. So the entire field was full of manure. Like literally, I did my solo day on like a shit field. Uh, like it was just full of poop. Wait, the field was full of poop. like literally. Literally, the entire field was just covered in poop. Okay, and this uh, softens the landing. It it does, but also <laughs> it makes it harder to take off because there's more friction. Uh, makes sense. Um, so, um, so we were not allowed. <laughs> right, we were not allowed to do touch and goes. 
Okay. Uh, I wasn't allowed to put the wheels on the ground. So then the next one you can do is called a low pass, where you get the airplane as close to the ground as possible into something called the ground effect. So very close to the ground, you have to imagine that the air that goes over and under the wing, it has these all these forces mm-hmm. get applied to it. And and when you're very close to the ground, the air kind of creates a cushion mm-hmm. that the airplane sort of like floats on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to get in the ground effect and then f- just basically float as close to the ground as possible. Uh, use your speed to not touch the ground and then take off again. Wow. So I did, um, I did low passes, and you're allowed to do, you're allowed to do up to three circuits, but you only get graded on your final landing. Um, and basically, if the airplane is still in one piece and you're still alive, you you generally like have completed your solo, right? <laughs> if it's really really bad, you know, if you drop the airplane straight down and miraculously it survives, it you know you're not gonna pass it, but if you can get the airplane back on the ground in one piece and you're in one piece, then it, you're, you're generally good. Um, so yeah, uh, I did, I did two go arounds, uh, two, two low passes. And on the second low pass, the tower called in, uh, Hill for some radio. And they just were like, well, that was a very low pass. Mm. And you know, at the moment I was kind of defensive because I'm like, I didn't touch the ground. And then afterwards I realized that that was a compliment because they knew I was going solo. You have to call up front, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just you have to do the radio communication. So I called them, and I'm like, "Hey, um, I was uh, over some radio, Papa Hotel Charlie Bravo, Bravo November. Uh, one person on board, you know, going for a solo. I guess this is it." Mm-hmm. And I just went like, uh, "Well, you know, most important thing is to have fun out there." Wow. But on the second low pass, they just they called in, and they were like, "That was a very low pass." And I realized later that it was a compliment. Oh. <laughs> and then um and then after landing they uh I told them I had vacated the runway because there was an airplane behind me and I just wanted to make sure that they understood that I was clear. Um and the tower called in again and congratulated me and they said that it looked really good. And then they also paid for my last landing because you have a landing fee every time you land or low pass or touch down at an airport, you you pay for it in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they also paid for my last landing, which was really sweet. That's incredible! Wow, that's very kind of them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I got back to the got back to the platform, parked the airplane, hopped out. They gave me a tie, and then they cut my tie, <laughs> um, which is an old military tradition. Uh, it comes from back in the days. Uh, instructors were usually seated behind the student, but also they didn't have headphones to talk to each other. So for the student to pay attention to the instructor, they needed to pull on the back of a shirt or they needed to pull on like a tie flung over the shoulder of the student. Mm. So cutting the tie literally symbolizes that the instructor doesn't need to do that anymore. That's so You can cool. just f- fly an airplane now. So yeah, this is the first part of my flight training. Uh, this concludes chapter one. Um, I can fly an airplane. I'm so proud of you, Habibi. We're one step closer to recording a podcast in the air. We're getting right. There. I, I'm not at the point where I can fly an airplane without permission yet. So for this next part of my flight training, uh, most of it is just getting hours. I need uh, about 30 more hours, I think. I think uh, before I can go to my cross country, which is my next big step. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I can fly solo for those hours. So as long as a, an, an instructor is willing to sign off on the flight and thinks the conditions are good, um, I, I can just go to the airport and fly. Um, and then the, um, the other part that happens uh, next is I have to learn navigation. So how to really like navigate precisely in the air. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I've done the theory courses, but I, I'm going to have to actually practice how it works in the air. Mm -hmm. so uh that's all next that's that's what's coming up that's until, incredible you know, man. it's so good i'm so improves and then you know you don't have to do the navigating because the screen will do everything for you right when i flew in in the u.s the airplane was brand new and everything had like gps and was shiny and you didn't have to do anything yeah. it showed you where other airplanes were it showed you where the mountains were it showed you everything i'm flying my the cessna i i, I did my solo in was a 1980s one. Oh wow like everything on that thing is like steam gauges. Wow, it's almost like as old as I am. Right. No, it's <laughs> older than I am. This airplane was flying before I was born. Wow. Um, and it's still working. Yeah, those things get maintained really well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was great. It was a beautiful day. I have a full recording of it. Uh, I have a full recording of the radio, including like the cute little compliment they made. Uh, I have the tie. I'm going to get it framed. Uh, you know, they did lots of photos. They're going to put them on their socials and on their website where they always put them. Uh, so just, and they hung the, the part of the tie that they cut, they hang on the wall in the flight school on this giant wall full of ties. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful day. I'm super, I'm super proud. I, I did not expect it to go that fast when I started in November to now be at the point where, I just I flew an airplane. I'm so proud of you. That is such. That's a amazing, man. So, so do you think that the, at this pace you'll have like your license by the end of the year? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, uh, now that I can fly solo, I can obviously get way more hours, way faster. Because before I was really dependent on whether an instructor had time to fly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now, if it looks like a nice day and there's an airplane available. I can call the airport and just go like, hey, can I, is there an instructor that's willing to like sign off on me doing a solo? And I can go, right? I can drive over and, and be in the air in like 20 minutes. Amazing. So I need to hit 35 more hours. And in that time, I need to get my navigation done. And then on top of that, I need to get all my theory classes done. Uh, because I've only done one of my theory exams so far. Mm -hmm. And I think there's one other thing. Oh yeah, my English. I need to do an English test. Yeah, I have a feeling that one will be I, fine. I think, be okay. <laughs> I think I probably, given that I'm formally a public speaker, uh, and that I run an English like language podcast, and that I blog in English, mm. probably okay. <laughs> I'm going to be so embarrassed if I feel that way. If you pass everything else and fell that way, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I don't get. Um, yeah, it like so. <laughs> But yeah, that, that, uh, then the cross-country is, is the next big test. That's like the, the real big one. I have to get the theory one, so I'm nervous for each of those. It depends which country. I mean, the Netherlands, you could cross it in like five minutes, right? Well, the biggest thing is that there's requirements to what you need to do. So there's a minimum amount of miles you need to fly, and there's also a minimum amount of airports you need to land at. And oh. you need to do all of it correct. So you need to file your flight plan. You need to do your radio communication. You need to navigate it properly. You need to manage your flight you need to get your fuel in order you have to make sure the airplane is is you know certified and registered and everything is correct like it's a real actual flight 
from start to finish everything in there. Hmm. Um, and there's an instructor flying with you for that one. Okay. Uh, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to see whether you do anything wrong, but they're going to watch every single thing you do. And the rest of the flight so. is from one airport from one side of the country to another. So for most people, it's like uh, there's a minimum amount of miles you have to fly and uh, you need to make sure that you land at two different aerodromes. I see. For that. Uh, so, uh, you know, for mine, I'm presumably taking off from Hilversum and then flying to two different airports. Most people doing their uh, cross country in the Netherlands actually go abroad mm-hmm. for it. So they'll fly into Belgium or they'll fly into Germany. Usually that's their first international flight. Now, me being me, I've already flown in the United States, so I've already done my first international flight. But I've never crossed the border before, so I'm kind of kind of excited to do that. So I will probably do the same and uh, cross country into into Belgium or Germany. Not sure which one yet. Which one should I do? Um, I don't know. I think Germany. <laughs> what do you think, Fauzi? Belgium is close enough. <laughs> oh, so the two of you disagree. Okay, this is not gonna. This is not gonna help me make a choice. What's the coin? Halas, halas. This is, this is, this is the dark souls of choices. We're gonna just instantly transition into a game that I think all three have played. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah so speaking the game of anxiety, is King of Fighters, right? <laughs> is that the one? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. No. Uh, no, it's not the one. <laughs> so. I played Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. So every Souls game, every Souls game that I've ever played, I've played for two hours and then bounced off of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did the same with Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it feels more interesting in that there's a lot of just going places you can do, and the world design is always great in these games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still kind of bounced off of the game. I, you know, I'm playing Destiny. I'm finishing Horizon. Uh, like I'm. I, I couldn't make the patience for Elden Rings, but I have a feeling one of you will ha- will be enjoying the game right now. Mm. I, I can't both. I can't stop playing it to be wow. honest. Nice. Okay. Yeah, like I um, every time I'm not playing Elden Ring, I'm thinking I just want to stop whatever I'm doing and play some Elden Ring. Wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can you can you can you know you can hang up and play Elden Ring. You know? <laughs> It's, like, it's actually we'll running from on, here. We'll give you a It's review. running on my TV right now. And as wow. soon as I finish, wow. I'm going to go and play some more Elden Ring. The Dark Souls of Recording Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I also played a little of my adventure. It was probably much shorter than, than yours. Fozzy, should I go first? Wait. Fozzy's playing Elden Ring. Go first. <laughs> Okay, he took us up on that. He just, he just went. He, he just, just went for it. it. All right, fine. I'll tell my really short uh, Elden Ring story. So basically, I went up on the Twitters, and I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I do I do exactly the same thing that you do, Army. I play for a couple of hours, and I bounce off, with the exception uh, being the very, very first Demon Souls, where I played about 13 hours and then bounce off. I beat the first bounce boss, <laughs> and then I got handed, like, I got my bum handed to me by the second boss and i'm like i, I i've had enough and i quit every other game i played for about two hours including uh sekiro i'm a huge tenchu fan so i really really thought sekiro would be the exception nope bounce off same with bloodborne 
And then I'm back here with Elden Ring. I'm looking at the 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 videos. I'm reading the reviews, and I'm like, I really want I want to be in that world. It seems like something I would actually enjoy. Maybe this time. So right. I started uh, like basically I went on Twitter and I'm like, hey, what do y'all think? Is this different? The people who played it is this different? Should I give that a shot, or is it exactly like the others? Um, and then someone gifted to me. I was very, very grateful. Oh, yeah. So I was like, here's Elden Ring. So you could try it. Wow. Uh, so I installed it, which was, um, you know, easy, unlike other parts of Dark Souls. Installing it was easy. Uh, running it on my PC was hard. <laughs> I got mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of flickering issues and a lot of, you know, I had to reinstall my driver a few times. Uh, it wasn't like the Dark Souls level of hard, but still not easy. And then I started playing. And in like without going into too many spoilers, the first thing I saw destroyed me, and I'm like, okay, you know what? It's fine. I'll keep going. Then, well, the, I think at that point it's not a spoiler anymore. That thing is like a meme on the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to kill you. And I'm like, at that right. at the point I played, I already had seen it in action. I'm like, maybe I could like hit it twice before it kills me. Nope, it like was almost insta kill. Um, mm-hmm. Then I kept playing and I saw this other thing. I'm like, okay, that was that's the first thing I encounter in the open world. This thing I must be able to fight. Nope, insta-killed so me. It killed you. Yeah. One hit. I'm like, okay, fine. I, I guess I should have figured it looks big and imposing. You know, even though it's the first thing that you see, I should have bypassed it. So I played again, I bypassed it, and I saw these two smaller things. They were about my size. I'm like, these I'm right. gonna be able to kill. No, nope. right. so killed you. <laughs> Those killed yep. me. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go play Horizon. I'll come back to this one. Right. <laughs> let Horizon. me, let me, let me kill giant dinosaurs with bow and arrow, <laughs> yes. and like feel good about myself instead of getting murdered by a bunny. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> these were bats. Yeah. They were two bats. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, Whatever they are, like yes, they look like you can handle them, and then they absolutely wrecked they wrecked me yeah I, one of them i think i hit enough times to kill it the other i absolutely didn't touch and it came from behind and yeah i was dead yeah so that was that's how i oh and later i found out that uh, i missed the tutorial i'm like oh okay great <laughs> the game is designed in a way that i could look for a tutorial and miss it uh, right. so yeah that's my 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 story i still really want to play it i still see uh other people but the, this feeling has been consistent since the beginning i have literally tried every single souls game i want to get into it i can't it's, and i'm really sad about that but i'm happy for those people who can like fozy and a little jealous because Fozzie, you, you you have returned, haven't you? No, I don't see a bar. I don't think Fozzie's returned. Oh, Fozzie has not returned. No, he went to play Elden Ring. He just he just really went. He went. Oh, what? A, That's amazing. What was your story? Is it any different than mine? I mean, uh, you know, same thing. I got absolutely wrecked by the first thing I saw, and then I just kind of ran around and came across a big but smaller thing that also wrecked me, and then I came across a bunch of smaller things that also wrecked me. And then I was kind of, then I was good. Yeah. Actually, I did the exact same thing, but I switched to Destiny instead of Horizon, and I just shot giant things and went like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I can, I can play video games and then just, you know. I, I'm, I'm going to go back to Elden Ring, um, but I'm going to do it after I finish Horizon. 
So first Destiny, then Horizon, then Elden Ring. Okay, that's fair. Um, Fauzi, are you back? Nope. No. All right. So do you want to tell us about the Destiny until Fozzy, like decides to stop playing Elden Ring? Because I mean, I don't blame him. He's enjoying it. It's fine. We're just making. Yeah, no. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he's having a good time. I'm sure he's having. Good time. <laughs> or he's having internet issues. Maybe he is having the heart. Heart. He's having a. The dark he's having the internet. dark souls of podcasts for recording. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's uh, the dark souls of microphone issues. The dark souls of the dark souls of something <laughs> it's, it's incredible how that is synonymous with an excellent experience to some people and a horrible right. one to others but what mm-hmm. was really shocking is like dark souls always made sense to me because I, I it did make sense i wanted a hard when i bought the first one as i mentioned before i bought demon souls uh the japanese version i had it imported I was expecting a difficult game. I used to play difficult, difficult games, and my life uh, would support it. And I understood it was niche, and I understood that there was a target audience for it. Elden Ring, with George R. R. Martin writing it, uh, and it being open world, and its aesthetic being significantly lighter than the other ones uh, in terms of approachability, uh, it felt like it was marketed towards a wider appeal. And yet, mm-hmm. it was the same level of difficult. But it sold, like, way better than mainstream yep. games. It, yep. I, I heard somewhere that other than Call of Duty and FIFA, it was the best-selling game in the UK since Red Dead 2. That's 2017 I or 2018? When was that? 2018, I, believe, I think. I absolutely believe it. It's the best-selling yeah. game in four years. That is not that does not make sense to me. Like are, are, are a lot of people. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I, welcome back, Ifozi. I'm not saying it's not great. I honestly want to play the game. There's something about it that's special. Uh, I'm not going to deny its greatness. What I what I would have expected is that it's niche as well. That that's the shocking part is that the dif- difficulty is not scaring these people away. Are they buying it and refunding it? Are they buying and regretting it? Are they buying it and converting at like rates we've never seen before? Is every game going to be Dark Souls difficulty going on? I don't know. I mean, it's not. Uh, uh, some, if you think about it, League of Legends is kind of niche, isn't it? It's not an easy or an approachable so, game. Yes and no, because if you play League of Legends. Um, you're going to be able to be matched with other people of your skill level. The game is difficult, but you could play it poorly and eventually play it with enough people who play it poorly that you'll have a good enough time. I know people <laughs> who used to play League of Legends for a long time in co-op uh, on easy mode. I don't know many people who did this, but I do know at least one person who had a group of friends who they played League of Legends because they enjoyed it in co-op. And I, I couldn't understand it. That To me, that was not a good time. But... It was a good time for them, and that's all that matters, right? I understand. Like, I, what, what I meant is not necessarily the the difficulty of pl- of what you're playing against. It's like as a game of what it is. It's not like um, a game that you can just pick up and understand in five to no. ten minutes. It's not a platformer. Yeah. For example. it's not approachable. I agree. It's, like it's not a, approachable. It's a very demanding and approachable game. Yet it's one of the biggest games in the world, right? So. Um, the you know a game being niche or a be, being a bit uh, core does not exclude it from being popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not yeah. wrong, but I mean, is it like 
specifically talking about difficulty levels and talking about like flow state and how the main theory of flow state is that you have if it's too challenging you're frustrated and you 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 don't enjoy it and if it's too easy it's boring and you don't enjoy it and i know that's not that theory is not universal it's just a theory but that it breaks what we know about games now is what i'm saying where we understand that there's a small group of people who want like who have diff- a different kind of fun and who want that challenge because that's where they find their flow state. This is throws that out, out the window. Well, right, in League I of Legends, think. you could find a flow state, even with its complexity, just because of like you, the adjustable difficulty is what I'm saying. Right. I just I I think that one of the one of the interesting things is just also the audience for games has gotten so big that at this point the niche is still a lot of people. And at some point yep. um at some point the culture around these games just became like uh prestigious. Hmm. Right, the idea of beating a Dark Souls became a thing, mm-hmm. and I think that drew a lot of people in, and then they just got good enough until they could be part of that club. Okay, right. I think that's what happened. I think it is counterintuitive in many ways, but also it makes sense that people achieving something that's really hard is always going to be interesting, right? Mastery is a player archetype. Mm-hmm. Um. And all the people that would normally play a game on hard or extreme or whatever are now just playing one game to show off their skills, right? Interesting. I think it's it's not it's not only skills. Like for me, it's not it's not like you know I want to show off that I'm better at the game. Is why I play this game. For example, why I'm enjoying Elden Ring is that I'm as I'm approaching it, I'm not approaching it in the same way that I approach a game in which like I. Uh, the progress I have is how far along in the game I am. Mm-hmm. Or my progress today is that how much of the game I have seen. Uh, it's kind of, uh, to some extent, kind of like a fighting game in which like, my progress today is how much of this enemy I have figured out mm-hmm. and how much of my skill has improved in anticipating and dodging and dealing with this enemy. This is why, like, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can find people that are fighting very, very difficult enemies with, like, not taking no damage. Or, like, somebody beating the entire game start to finish, <laughs> no damage. There is, like, a, uh, it's that kind of level of... Uh, Mastery. Uh, like, you know, Twitch, uh, Twitch gameplay that you would have in other games. Like, you know, like, this is so good, I should stream it on Twitch. Um, this is almost part of the game loop that you need to be that level of good or on that way to be that level of good to be able to progress in that traditional sense in the game. And with that is a, like, you know, Miyazaki also describes that as he, like Ethan, he issued a statement with Elden Ring saying that he apologizes for people who are struggling with the difficulty of the game. But he says that he wants people to feel the the triumph of overcoming a difficult situation, which in Japanese culture is a virtue, by the way. Like you know, when you uh, when you work hard to achieve something, mm-hmm. right? And and like you know, when you're when you're getting good enough to like you're really figured out the enemy movement, and now you're dodging, and you get all the pieces in the right place and you end up defeating that boss, it's a very, very satisfying feeling. And it's, you know, that 
that I don't think is just Elden Ring. Elden Ring does it just as good as they've done it in all their previous other games. Um, but you know, like it's the it's the excellence that they've had in the encounter design in all of their previous games. And then they've taken a page from the from the Breath of the Wild design book. The combination mm-hmm. of those two things is just immense. Like that is a world. <laughs> it's um you know when I played Breath of the Wild, I had a very wonderful experience because I was playing with a bunch of designers in my team, and we all uh, as as it just came mm. out, and we all agreed that uh, we will not look at anything up on the internet. We'll just, you know, play. And then next morning when we come to the office, we were sharing our experiences. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we were talking about like, yeah, I was going through that canyon and I saw this flying dragon and I hit it with a bow and now I had a scale from this dragon. And like, what? You have a scale? Yeah. Or I haven't seen a dragon. And like we're sharing these experiences as we're really exploring that's, that's my, and discovering like, what this world is all about. That's my playground experience growing up as, as a gamer, you know, going to school. There was no internet. Exactly. Wow, you, that's incredible. Right, but but now all of it is. And with Breath of the yeah. Wild, I managed to really live that you know playground experience, and now you know with a select group of friends, I'm also doing that with Elden Ring. Yeah, and I am having the exact same experience again. So like, very few game has managed to reignite that feeling that I had as a kid, like Breath of the Wild did. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the first time since 2017 that I'm feeling this again. You know what game does that for me as well? Don't say Destiny. Is it Destiny? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> but there's but, uh, so much you know, of Destiny on online. Right, so you just don't look at it. Uh, like Destiny is like Bungie has always been very good at sort of like hiding secrets and like fun little jokes and things and uh, unexpected like combinations of stuff. There, that's just a thing they're good at. Mm. Tomorrow, for example, is the the world's first uh, raid race. So they're coming out with a new raid, six player end game content. And every time a new raid releases, there's a, a race between the sort of like top teams around the world uh, to be the first one to beat the race. Mm-hmm. And it's super exciting. And the only thing I'm going to catch of it is who won. Because uh, I, I don't want to see the raid. I want to I go in blind. I want to be there and look at the place and be like, be overwhelmed by the mystery and have a small group of friends that I'm discovering this with. Mm. Uh, early on and it's one of my favorite experiences in Destiny and it, it sounds like the exact same thing Fauzi is describing uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually Rami when I hear you talk about Destiny I get that FOMO because I could I could sense that actually mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and you know as you describe Destiny is that like you know as uh, seasons come and go and story arcs come and go it's, it's really you miss it if you're not part of yeah. that kind of experience and I think that's really cool mm-hmm. yep and you know with single player games i think like you know breath of the wild and now elder ring are have the have that ability because yeah. like you can read like where can i find something on the internet right but uh, the internet can't tell you like oh i just came across this uh yeah this weird uh, giant somewhere mm-hmm. and like oh weird giant i haven't seen that where's mm-hmm. that uh, like um, the internet can't tell you what you're not looking for mm-hmm. i guess uh, whereas, like, you can compare notes with friends and get that experience. Yeah, that's actually why I really like playing pre-release Magic: The Gathering with friends, where it's a new set, you're cracking open new cards, you haven't seen the synergies, you don't know the the dynamics of the game. It's a lot of fun. But that the my my experience getting that now that the internet is there is few and far apart. I really have to you have to go out of your way to to manufacture mm. it. 
for better or worse. I mean, there are good things about having things accessible and available because uh, a lot of people don't have, you know, a large group of people that they can play with, for example. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like there's forums and there's online substitutes exactly. as well that you can potentially like find find a group of like-minded people to uh, to to engage with them in that. And the other thing, like, you know, as there's a lot of conversations around Elden Ring right now, is that um, a lot of people, they mention the frustration of going into battle and like how this game frustrates them and makes them angry or like they can't, they can't take it uh, uh, and how it's, uh, you know, it's, it's treating them. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there's a, a part of that, like, you know, you feel frustrated because you think you should be better than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the game is trying to, and, and the game is trying to tell you that you're not a, a good player or something like that. Um, my approach to this is that like, if I'm, if I, if I'm like going against a, a Dark Souls or Elden Ring boss for the first time. I'm not going in thinking like, of course I should win. You know, it's kind of like me trying to play against somebody who's played Street, uh, street Fighter their entire life ago. Like, of course I'm going to win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like, I, I go in and think that um, until I learn everything that this enemy has to learn, I, I can't be pissed at at losing because I'm not even good <laughs> at <laughs> <Right>. this point. <laughs> right. So like, you know, when I go in to fight a, a Dark Souls boss or an Elden Ring boss and I lose, I don't feel bad because like, yeah, I am bad at knowing <laughs> I think this enemy at this point. I think this is the problem I have with Elden Ring because this experience sounds very similar to a raid boss in Destiny where... Mm-hmm. You know, you wipe, you die, you wipe, you die, you die, you die. You everybody makes like mistakes. You, your team gets together, uh, all of that. You know, that's part of it. But I think at the heart, my problem with Elden Ring and most of the Souls games is that I just don't enjoy playing. I don't enjoy the movement. I don't enjoy the 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 um, the slowness of attacks, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like just the core experience of playing those games. I don't like, I think I like the idea of getting better and better at something until you finally beat it. Right. Uh, I played those Kaizo Mario games and all that, mm-hmm. but I think Elden Ring is just the, the way it moves is I wish somebody would make an Elden Ring that is just like a shooter or something. Mm. There is one actually. I played one. Uh, what was it called? It was a was it good? three player. Yeah, I I, I lasted longer uh, than than with. But was Souls. it good? And if I'm, I mean, I'm not asking if you were like better Dark at it. Souls liked it, so oh, okay. I fell off of it. Uh, as well. what was it called? Remnant, Remnant of the Ashes, I think something like that. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so I, right. I played it with with friends too, and they actually had the same thought as you did. They're like, well, we like the idea of a Dark Souls, but you know, there there's a lot. That's very hard for us to, to to get over on top of trying to understand how the game is supposed to work. Well, this is kind of a third person shooter, so we know how to do those already, and it's true. Right. It'll get you further. You'll then okay. then learning how a, a, a game is supposed to feel, and like on top of everything else with no hand holding. Um, but then you're gonna hit that boss who, like for us, it was a boss that literally spawned enemies a meter behind us. And so basically, you nice. constantly have to look over your back, constantly, constantly. Right. There's no other way, and you have to be lucky. Well, the way we saw it, you have to be lucky uh, to to have the reflexes to to fight them. 
uh, like to turn around, get lucky to spot them on this spawn. Otherwise, you're turning in circles and you look like an idiot and you're going to like get hurt by the boss itself. It just We didn't understand what you're supposed to do. It wasn't clear, obvious at the beginning. And we died so many times. Even though we came close a few times, it was frustrating. And the frustration was more than the fun and we stopped. Uh, we had beat two or three bosses before there. We got to like the third world. It's not. It nice. wasn't like early on, like in most Souls game, but right. you know, the frustration catches yeah. up with you. For some yeah, people, okay. For some people, yeah. again, like there are some people you know, who love the game. You know what else caught up with us? What? The time. Oh no. The time. What a segue. Yeah. What a segue. We need to stop. We, we need to stop calling out good segues. <laughs> this is, this is because, <laughs> but it's what we're um, known for. It's part of the identity exactly. of this podcast. <laughs> to call out the good segues. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh fozy fozy needs to sleep yeah it, it's late i think that's it it's all good. i think this i'll play a bit of elden ring oh come on stop for a while i'm tired we should make sure we don't go to how about we go 40 minutes there i have to sleep i have to i might play some <laughs> well that's the thing about fozy this is a humble brag you saying he could literally yeah. play elden ring and <laughs> sleep <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even when I'm half asleep, I can still defeat the uh, Elden Ring bosses. I don't know what you guys are on about. Anyway, I, I'm not done with Elden Ring yet. It, it, like, I'm gonna go back to it after I finish Horizon at some point and give it a, a right. good go. But I, I, I can't believe you. I can't believe I can conv- can't convince you to to play Destiny. It's, it's, again, it's not that I like I dislike Destiny in any which way. It's just at this point. I th- feel like too much time passed. I don't know the story. I don't have an emotional attachment to anything. The shooty bits are, are fun, but that's about it. It's it's not bad. It's just I think it's it's a little late. It, it would take a huge investment to get into it if you follow what I mean. I don't know. Every time, every expansion, they just kind of like reboot what the, the the story for everybody. Like it's still the same story, but they kind of go like, "Here's what you need to know." Everything else, mm. you, you don't need to know. You don't. Anyway, if you two are going to join at any point. Somewhere in these next few months would be a good idea because after the first three months are over of this new year, it's going to be harder to get into yeah. until next year. Again. I have the new expansion on PlayStation, so I'll give it a shot at some point and see. Oh, no, come play, yeah. come play with me. I'd love that. That'd be great. Just because right. it's you. Let's go. Okay, go play. Come play after <laughs> this. As soon as we hang up, we'll go play some Destiny. Uh, Fozy, awesome. Fozy, <laughs> uh, I could also play Elden Ring with you, right? And watch you beat the bosses while I'm like slinging spells from distance. standing in the background. Yeah. Oh, oh, you can come with me and draw aggro, actually. That'll be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at that. Not, this, this feels like a childhood strategy for some reason, Fosty. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, that's my younger brother to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to kick the ball at the car, and you're just going to run after the ball, okay? I'm going to run the other way. You'll run after the ball. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So, Damn, close. Yes, we could wrap it up. We have some mail, but we could uh, save that for Le- next week. Yeah, we'll record again, like, what, literally tomorrow? In two days. I think, or like in two days. Uh, two days. Yeah, so sorry, everybody, for being a little bit late with this one. We got it done. Yes. Uh, we just missed Friday, except for our summers. It's still Friday over it's there. It's still Friday it? here. Yeah. Cool. I'll upload it before it stops being Friday. Do we have a good title? Did, did you any of you hear a good title for this episode? What's a good title for this episode? Uh, good question. Good question. Is it just going to be good? Question? The Dark Souls of recording podcasts. <laughs> the Dark Souls of coming up with titles last minute. <laughs> oh, I like That's that. That's good. All right, the dark. Very catchy. Rolls <laughs> okay. off the tongue. Just very straightforward. Very straightforward. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
that. That's so good. No, no, no. I like the Habibis. <laughs> let's, let's, let's stay the Habibis. We're just going to be the Habibis. Okay. Yalla. Uh, that was the Habibis. Next time, uh, next Friday, more episodes. For now, that was it. And uh, salam. Salam. <laughs> salam. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam. <laughs>